Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jake Browning and the Washington Huskies made a huge statement against Oregon last weekend. So where does he now sit in the Heisman race? And now Browning walks into the end zone for the Washington touchdown. Plus, the two top teams in the country face tough road tests. Number one, Alabama, heads to Knoxville to take on number nine, Tennessee, while number two, the Ohio State, takes on number eight, Wisconsin, in Madison. Breaking the huddle starts right now. Hey, I'm Joel Klatt. Thank you for joining us tonight, just like you do each and every Tuesday right here on Facebook. Uh, and remember to join in the show. Uh, give us your comments. We'll try to get to them during the course of the uh, show, whether they're questions or anything along those lines. We've got a packed show for you tonight. Matt Leinert's going to be back with us. Bruce Feldman's going to join me. And we're going to dive into all sorts of things, the Heisman race, Washington's Jake Browning as he thrown himself into the mix. We're going to discuss that after that 8 TD performance against Oregon. We've got number one Alabama. Uh, we've got number two, Wisconsin. Uh, they are, excuse me, uh, number two, Ohio State. They both got tough road tests this week facing top 10 opponents in Tennessee and Wisconsin and uh, a lot of other things to get into. And this is where I really want to start right here because there's so much crap that goes on in college football and around college football. And it's so easy to get drug into those conversations in the middle of the season. You've got things like the SEC debacle between LSU and Florida and what side you're going to take. And everyone's jumping on Greg Sankey and what he's going to do from the conference perspective. You've got the Baylor situation and their continued mishandling of that heinous situation that broke during the course of the offseason. Now their assistant coaches are in unison tweeting out truth don't lie when Jim Grobe and the administration are disagreeing about the uh, discipline of one of the football players that was removed from the team. The National Labor Relations Board just threw down a ruling on the private institutions around the country that says that it's no longer lawful for them to prevent kids from tweeting or talking with the media essentially saying that they are employees. So you've got that going on. You've got Brian Kelly saying he's never blamed a loss on a player even though we no, he has and heard him blame, blame losses on players. Not to mention, by the way, jury selection started uh, in the last couple of days in that mess of a, a Mike McQuarrie versus Penn State lawsuit. So you've got all these things swirling around college football, right? Why don't we talk about the actual good stuff about college football, like the great performances on the field? And that's where we're going to start in this program. Breaking the Huddle is going to talk about the great players on the field. And we start with a Heisman discussion with our own Heisman and the best insider in the entire sport, Bruce Feldman, Matt Leinert, join us because Jake Browning is for real. Before we get into our opinions on Jake, here's a little taste of what Jake and his buddies were doing this last weekend. 
And now Browning walks into the end zone for the Washington touchdown. On second and goal, they throw the fade for John Ross, who juggles and pulls it in for the Washington touchdown. Browning to throw against pressure, one-on-one -on -one to the end zone. Perfectly thrown, and John Ross has his second touchdown of the day. Browning on a quarterback draw. Coleman gives him a block and gets him a touchdown. Throwing the fade, John Ross is out there, and he gets another touchdown. From the 28-yard line, Browning scans the field, taking an end zone shot. Pettis out there for another. Browning throwing end zone. Pettis one-handed. Touchdown. What a grab. It's a screen. Dotson's got it. There he goes. Come on, Dotson runs by the secondary. He's in. Touchdown, Washington. What a day for Jake Browning. Jake Browning was outstanding against Oregon, to say the least, on Saturday. This guy was special, and his teammates were special as well. Snapping the Huskies' 12-game losing streak to the Ducks, he threw for 304 yards, six touchdowns, while running, or running for two more and giving him a total of eight touchdowns on the day, tying a Pac-12 single-game record. Kid was amazing. By the way, on a little side note before we get into the discussion, not so cool, Oregon, with your new unis when you're getting 70 to 21 put on you, are you? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a, the, you know, usually it's what, look good, play good. It's not, they're not looking good or playing good. Not so much for the web foot uh, anymore. <laughs> Guys, let's start with the Heisman discussion. Everyone knows Lamar Jackson right. is the front runner for the Heisman Trophy right now. I think he still is, even after Jake Browning's big week. But Jake Browning, the quarterback of the hottest team in the country, at least the one that's gained the most ground since the preseason and the guy that's throwing himself into this mix i mean he's right there i would say he's a very close second at this point at least in my estimation i'm interested yeah in I, I i moved him i actually said on our show before the game or after the game it was and i and coach ronnie just said oh how could you move up because he's got 26 total touchdowns you put it into perspective to what lamar jackson's doing and he obviously isn't the electric type player he's more of a pocket passer uh, facilitator but he's been he's been exceptional but he's got 26 total touchdowns to Lamar Jackson's 28 that's pretty impressive um, year one to year two Joel I know as quarterbacks we always like to see the development and he's been just I mean he's been he's been flawless and that can go one of two ways I, I think the sophomore slump is real right you know for some guys in their second year as a starter he's gone the opposite direction I think he's been yeah he, he's been outstanding if you go to the last two games Wash or excuse me, Stanford and Oregon, two of their arch nemesis in this conference, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. There's a couple games Bruce left on the schedule that I think he can continue to build this resume. Now, will he ever catch Lamar Jackson? We don't know, but the chance to play in the conference championship game, I mean, this kid is, is well on his way. I think really the way I would frame it is it's still Lamar Jackson's Heisman to lose. Yeah. He's going to need like a four so, turnover a game or something, game. or unless, you know, we don't want to see him get hurt, but something like that. Because they're not going to, they're probably not going to play in the ACC title. And you look at the rest of their conference schedule, they don't have really tough opponents, except for they have a Thursday night game, which a lot of people watch. Probably not as many now that Houston has lost, but it's at Houston. But I look, Jake Browning, here's the unfortunate part. He did not have much name recognition going into the year. Unlike last year, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, I think you voted for him. I voted yeah. for him to win it. I voted for him. Yeah, before. we all did. He put up ridiculous numbers. Also, he did have a name recognition part. Like, people remember Ed McCaffrey. I don't think Jake Browning, when we watched, I think everybody watched that Friday night game where they demolished Stanford. Yeah. The problem with it, not problem, but perspective-wise is 
everybody talked about how much pressure they got. Eight sacks. It was like a, such a team game. It wasn't all like people weren't buzzing about Jake right. Browning. They so, are now. They are now to some degree. I just don't know if there's going to be that chance. He, he's going to need to have like a 44 touchdown, three interception kind of stat line for people to go, wow, this guy's really Here's something. what I thought hurt McCaffrey. And first of all, listen, the whole West Coast, East Coast thing, that's real. Okay. Oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> flat out, that's, that's a real deal. In fact, the only two Heisman Trophy winners from the, from the West Coast that are not from USC since Jim Plunkett was Jim Plunkett and Marcus Mariota. So it, it's a real deal unless yeah. you go to USC, which is just a brand, Matt. That and, and Mariota yeah, had a couple so of years, and he put and up Mar- ridiculous yeah, and Mariota built a, built a career. So, so let me draw comparisons to the last year then. McCaffrey, with the opening week loss against Northwestern, his fault, not his fault, whatever you want to say, they left the radar for a month and a half until early October when it's like, oh, yeah, hey, Stanford is 6-1 and one again. So they had all those games early in the year where they were kicking at 9 Eastern, mm-hmm. 10 Eastern, and they were off everybody's radar until they got it going. But then in October, I went up to the, to the farm. They got beat by Oregon. So all of a sudden they slid back down, and they were a two-loss team. So they played one or two more 9, 10 p.m. kicks before ultimately playing Notre Dame and then the big uh, Pac-12 excuse me, championship. So his was such late momentum. So for all the things you said about name recognition, it's absolutely true. But it was such late momentum as far as buzz, whereas this is real buzz early in October, mid-October, which can carry him. And if Washington continues to be an undefeated team, potentially with that road to the playoff, they're going to have prime East Coast windows to play rather than the 9 or 10 East Coast windows. Do you think he could actually overtake Lamar Jackson, though? Listen, I'm with you. I would say Lamar Jackson is the favorite right now. But I, I don't think it's apples to apples to McCaffrey because of that. Because he's, he's more of a primary talking point right now in the middle of October than McCaffrey was at this point a year ago. And we'll see where the statistics go. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. 23 passing touchdowns at this point in the year. I think the most important stat for a quarterback, you may disagree with me, touchdown to interception ratio. 23 to 2, yeah. Jake Browning. Oregon and, and Stanford have won the last, what is it, uh, seven, eight, seven, eight? Seven, I think. Seven yeah. Pac 12 yeah. championships. He just dismantled both <laughs> of those programs yeah. in back to back weeks. So, I mean, he's got a lot going for him. I think Lamar Jackson is the favorite. I'm going to say that again because he's been sensational. Even in the loss, he was the mm-hmm. best player on the field. I'm going to spin this down to a couple of more rungs here because I think that there's a clear battle for the trophy right now, which is maybe Jake Browning, Lamar Jackson, possibly JT Barrett. And then there's this other race, which I think is so interesting, the race to get an invite. This is wild card, guys. This is kind of the wild card, guys. And there's actually a number of these guys. I'd love to get into some of them. I'll throw JT Barrett in there, guys, and, and I'd love your opinions on that. Let me throw some other ones out there as well. Jabril Peppers from Michigan. Um, Dalvin Cook is a guy a lot yeah. of people have talked about. What about even Deshaun Watson and his his possibility? Guy, guys, Trevor Knight still undefeated at Texas A&M. He's playing very well. And you've got, and I know this one's a little bit off the radar, Jamal Williams, the running back at BYU, is balling out is. right now. Second in the country in, in total rushing yards, only to Donnell Pumphrey from San Diego State. Ten touchdowns, second in the country right now to Lamar Jackson rushing. So I'll throw Jamal Williams in there. But in that race for an invite, where do you guys sit? Is it, I mean, is it, it's weird that we're not even talking about Deshaun Watson. And if you go 
to the numbers now at this point, last year to this year, they're actually better. He's got more touchdowns, got more yards rushing, yeah, that more yards great passing. Late run last He's still year. undefeated. And I think what's catching up to him, and, and like McCaffrey's, just the hype and the expectation to have the year he did last year, it's almost impossible to do right. it again. Um, but he may catch fire here, and, and there's opportunities with Florida State. They're probably they're going to play in an ACC championship game. There's opportunities for him to gain a lot of ground and a lot, a lot of momentum. So I think we still have to keep an eye on him. At the end of the day, I know he threw three picks against Louisville, but he won the game for them as well. He had five touchdown passes. And Jabril, Prepper, Jabril Peppers is a guy I'd love to see him get invited. I, I think would too. He's, I think he needs, and Jim Harbaugh is going to do everything he can to get him there. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. He's already started the campaign. He's lining up at quarterback, throwing the football, wildcat, all these things. He just has to have a couple defining moment you know what games. He has to have. He does they have to beat them. They have to beat they them. Beat them. That knocks JT Barrett he, out. By the way, you're going to want that. I watch Big Ten Network. He's, he's <laughs> talking about JT Barrett. Like JT Barrett threw for 400 yards last week. I mean, JT Barrett was not good throwing the football a week ago, but he did rush it for 137 yards. So. He at least has that dynamic. And he's the starting quarterback for arguably the best team in the, in the country. Exactly. And, and Alabama him, doesn't not, have that with yeah. Jalen Hurts, who's yeah. a true freshman, who's not going to get the run this year. You just don't feel it up to this point, even though he's playing very well. Uh, some of the interaction we've gotten on Facebook, by the way, uh, Sean Breezy says, Peppers for Heisman. Justin says, Peppers, he does it all. Ricky and Rachel says, where's Deshaun Watson? We just talked about Deshaun Watson. Daryl says, Josh Dobbs. No, yeah. I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. Can I a wild card? Yeah, please guys, do. Are you going to go Barnett? I was going to say, what about your guy Barnett? I like Der- I Didn't like you Derek have Barnett. him at top I did. Five, I keep him in top. I mean, look, they would have lost two games without Derek Barnett, but I'm going to go the other defensive end in the SEC. So, now, by the way, they obviously Tennessee plays Alabama. They can knock them off. But if somebody beats Alabama, and let's say Miles Garrett goes wild in that game, gets healthy, goes, you know, like they have a bye week, you know, four tackles for losses, they win. People are going to look at him and go, that guy should be in New York. He's one of the best players in the country. I, I wouldn't disagree. I think Miles Garrett is really good. Um, really dominant player on the line of scrimmage. Better versus the pass, obviously, than he is the run. But he's not bad against the run. He's not yeah, one he, of those prototypical pass rushers that you can push around in the college game. He really is a, a, a very good all-around player. Um, I get accused all the time of hating the SEC. I don't hate the SEC. I think Alabama's the best team in the country right now, followed closely by Ohio State. I think what A&M has done in their transformation, guys, they're making me more of a believer right Fool's now. Fool's gold? Are you believing? I'm more of a believer right they're now in, in A&M. Well. I, I think that you should win at home more convincingly when you get seven turnovers. But that being said, they're rushing the football very well. Here is a part of the... It's not so much the SEC schools that I have a problem with as much as their fan bases and the media in the South. The media in the South is maybe worse than any part of anything in college football because what happens, and Bruce, you know this to be true as much as I do, what happens is when you vote for the Heisman Trophy, there are voters that just put one, Mm -hmm. two, and three, how they see it. And then there are voters that put one and then strategize with two and three to leave a player off the ballot, which is almost an active vote against that player. There was a percentage of ballots, mostly from the South last year, that left Christian McCaffrey off the ballot entirely. Those are votes in order to keep him from gaining that trophy versus what I did, which was I thought McCaffrey was one, but Derrick Henry was absolutely two in my book. There was no way I wasn't putting Derrick Henry up there, even though I'm not a Southern right. voter. Was, if you wanted to stack it, you would have said, okay, I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey one. Deshaun Watson. <laughs> 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 100%. 100%. Yeah. But you know that that happens. 
That's probably, to bring this back full circle, that's probably what's going to hurt Jake Browning more than anything because the, the Southeast media can't stand the Pac-12. They just can't. They hate the times that they play. They think it's rinky-dink for whatever reason. And any time that you're dominating that conference, they say, yeah, but it's the Pac-12. So that's going to hurt Jake Browning throughout this what, process. What, were, what was the percentage of votes that were submitted before the conference championship uh, games? That was, me, it was between high. 14 and 17 percent. That's, that's unbelievable. That's a yeah, lot I, especially in this that's day and age when, I mean, when you won it, it was, what, 12 years ago or whatever it was. It was paper ballots, I yeah, think. Yeah, and now you can do it online. You right. can do it that morning or whatever and wait till or the, you know, the day after. It, it, it should be a rule that we should wait till We're not after. accepting ballots. Yeah, till, not yeah. accepting ballots till, till the, the Sunday, yeah. you know, the Sunday following championship Saturday. But. Anybody else you guys want to throw in there? Um... I think JT Barrett's going to become a, a real player in this race. He, he's, he's got, got Wisconsin he, this weekend. He's got Michigan still. He's got a lot of opportunities, I think, left. Whereas Jake Browning, you know, USC, Utah, Washington State obviously could be a big game. But I feel like Bruce Barrett's, wants to be part of that percentage to just submit his vote right now. I just see it in his face. He's like Lamar, Lamar Jackson I, right here's now. Here's my thing. is So I have Lamar as a clear number one. I have Jake Browning number two. And then I have a gap. I thought Between that whole third, next tier. Yeah, I mean – he, uh, I keep pointing the helmet. I mean, I watched a lot of the Indiana game. He, they did not throw the ball well. Talking about JT Barrett. Talking about JT Barrett. I looked at Deshaun Watson, and I see the seven interceptions. So I was like, ah, I can't put him back there. I got to putting Dalvin Cook back in the mix. Yeah. Because uh, he had a huge game against Miami. You know, he didn't have a great game early in the year, but it's no. like, do you knock him completely out of the mix for that? Well, I think he was banged up early in the year. I don't think he was 100% healthy. But, that you know, that's neither here nor there. I think his career – Marks are going to start getting him more attention because Dalvin Cook is actually 475 yards away from becoming Florida State's all-time leading rusher, passing Warwick, Warwick Dunn. Dunn yeah. And when you start doing things like that and guys are like, oh, I remember Warwick Dunn, that great, you know, those great FSU teams and, and so on and so forth, I think he's going to start to get a little bit more run um, as the season goes along. JT Barrett needs three more touchdowns to pass Braxton Miller for that, most offensive touchdowns. And he's still only a junior, yeah. Yeah. That's so, crazy. And he, and he didn't play that much last year. I think Ohio State and Alabama, totally different topic. Clearly the top two teams oh, yeah. in the country right now. Do we, do we get – I know we want to switch, but I want to ask this. Do we get – because of Lamar Jackson's four- or five-game stretch where they're just going to yawn through everything, do we, do, do we get turned off by that? And 100%. Just, that's, what I'm, that's why I think there's opportunities. Like these kids have opportunities against some of the bigger teams to – Wow, that kid, I mean, Lamar Jackson, you know, now because we expect him to have six, seven touchdowns every game. So I, I just wonder if that might play against him at all. College football media, and I'm one of them, okay? The, we're all, I'm ripping on us all, all of us, wherever you come from. <laughs> college football media are like first graders. We're such a prisoner of the moment. Right, Do you yeah. remember 2014 and week two, I want to say? Yep. The Big Ten had an awful week. Virginia oh, yeah. Tech goes in and beats Ohio State. Michigan was, was lumbering around the field against somebody. I think they got beat yeah. that day as well. Everyone, including all of us in the green room, the avocado room, Stu Mandel, I'm calling you out. You were burying the Big Ten <laughs> to our bosses, which you, they yeah. didn't really appreciate at the time. But everyone's burying the Big Ten. They're the worst conference of all time. Clay Travis was on a victory lap on the Internet talking about how the Big Ten was dead. And guess who wins the national yep, championship? Yep, Ohio yep. State after beating Alabama in the playoff. Yep. We're a prisoner of the moment, and because of that lull that 
Jackson's going to have schedule-wise. There's other I guarantee guys. you when, yeah. you've, when you're going to see Washington in prime time or when you're going to see this week JT Barrett. If JT Barrett throws for five touchdowns, He'll immediately be, oh, man, he's he's the second guy in Heisman. Man. I can't believe back up we should have known, man, JT. He's, he passed Braxton Miller and blah, 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 because we are idiots in the do. college football media. Don't tell the secrets, man. <laughs> Prisoners. We can't help it. It's human nature. It is. It is human nature. Um, speaking of Barrett, Ohio State at Wisconsin this weekend. Can't wait for this one because Wisconsin is one of those great venues in college football. It's going to be an electric environment, guys. So number two, Ohio State, is going to get a top ten Wisconsin team, which you might say, is Wisconsin really a top ten team? That's a whole other discussion because once you get past seventh in the country, it's like a literally a free-for-all yeah. for who's going to be eight to, what, 20. Um, anyone can be in there. Wisconsin happens to be that number eight team at this point. They slide back into the top ten. Early thoughts on this game, fellas. Bruce, I'll start with you. Uh, I saw a cool stat that the University of Wisconsin put out. And, and there's been 10 meetings at Camp Randall between top 10 teams where uh, Wisconsin and the opponent are top 10. Wisconsin is 7-2 and two in the previous games mm. and has won the last six. That's a great stat. 6-0 oh in their last six I in not, top 10 matchups at Camp Randall. I, unfortunately, wow. I do not put any stock in a carrying over. <laughs> Nor do I. I, I, I think don't either. I, I, the freshman quarterback's going to have a hard time here, and I think that... I think Ohio State just has too much speed. And the, the one thing I took away from watching them against Indiana last week is it's like you can play really well in two phases of the game, and then all of a sudden Paris Campbell busts a kickoff return yep. at the worst possible time, and it's a momentum breaker. And right. I just feel like everybody else's margin for error, short of maybe Michigan against these guys, is so slim, and these big play guys just crush you, and or that's what happens. it's Malik Hooker with a huge interception, or it's JT Barrett drops a dime to Noah Brown, or it's Curtis Samuel gets loose. fumble, yeah. O- OU dealt with that. In the game we did earlier in the year, guys, OU was playing really well early in the game. They miss one field goal. They get Ohio State to a fourth down. Bang, Curtis Samuel yep. takes yeah. off for a touchdown. Then OU drives right down the field. This play happens. Fourth down, Mayfield, tip ball, bang, pick six. And all of a sudden you're like, what just happened? Because they right. were playing pretty evenly in the game, and it's 14 to nothing because of the playmaking ability that Ohio State has. One of the best defenses in the country. Three of their four opponents have gained less than 300 total yards. And I saw Wisconsin, albeit on the road, but versus a very comparable defense to Ohio State when they faced Michigan, gain, what was it, 159 total yards, and they could be basically do nothing on offense. I just don't see Wisconsin moving the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Are you going to beat them 10 to 9? Because that's the only way I see Wisconsin actually winning this game is is something under a two touchdown game for either team. What is the spread in this game? I don't know. I, don't know. I honestly only, don't look way, at spreads. The only way Wisconsin keeps it close and maybe wins is if they play like they did against Michigan State where they force turnovers, turnovers yeah. and they give their offense short fields. Because you mentioned Hornerbrook. He's averaging 117 pass yards a game. 117. That's not good. Yeah. That's not good. Wisconsin is not built for long drives. They're not built to score 30 points. They also points. don't run the ball and that they, well. And they don't yeah, run right. the ball as well. So if Wisconsin defensively can just keep them in a game, which they may be able to, they're a good defense. That's the only way that I see Wisconsin keeping this game close. Uh, Ohio's too fast or too athletic, I think. My pause for Ohio State would be the fact that we saw Indiana play really well against their passing game last week. You know, and you could say, yes, Wisconsin is clearly better than that. They're very fundamentally sound. Schematically, they're incredibly sound. They're never out of position. They tackle well in space. So is it hard to move the football against Wisconsin? Absolutely. 
If anyone can do it, would it be Ohio State? Yes, because physically they're just more superior. Yeah. Uh, athletically on the outside, they're faster. They've got bigger wide receivers than the defensive backs of Wisconsin. Uh, Curtis Samuel, I think, is a guy that I probably should have included in that Heisman discussion and kind of that tier of, of possibly an invite tier. They didn't get him the ball much in the first half last week, though. I think, think it, that's a mistake on their part. Right Wouldn't now. you agree? Far be it for me to criticize. <laughs> I, think, I, think you, I think when you did, uh, when you called the Ohio State Oklahoma game, you gave the punter some love, but Cam Johnston yes. for Ohio State is really good. He leads the nation in punting. I think he, if you can pin back, like I said, a, a style of offense like Wisconsin and force them to have to drive the field, you're winning every single time. And he's an X factor too in this game. Th this stat's going to be a little outdated, but going into that Oklahoma game, this blew my mind. And it just goes to show you the longevity and talent of, of Cam, um, the punter for Ohio State, Cam Johnson, right? Mm -hmm. I think is his name. Cam Johnson. Cameron Johnson. Yeah. He had 86 punts in his career that had been downed inside the 20. 86. First of all, to get 86 punts mm -hmm. means you're pretty good in your career <laughs> in college football. you a long time. Yeah. 86 inside the 20. And that was back before the OU game. Right. So, by the way, I think the Rutgers punter had 86 punts last week. So, oh, the, they the, punted the last they two punted, weeks. They punted for over 600 yards last week. Are you serious? Yeah. I think he punted 17. They punted times. for over 600 yards. Can I take a little bit of a side note? Yeah, I can because <laughs> it's Facebook and we don't have commercials. We played. We played. I'm going to be a Joe Morgan here real quick. Back when I played. <laughs> We played Miami in a September game against like John Beeson, Brandon Merriweather. This was 2005. They were really good on defense. Devin Hester was on that team, very good on defense. And it was an ABC game at noon. We scored three points, did not play very well offensively. I got concussed pretty severely, by the way. Um, our player of the game, remember they used to do the Chevrolet player of the game? John Torp, our punter, was the Chevrolet player of the game. I quarterback the team that had a punter player of the, the game. The only thing I'm thinking in an ABC of is when game. you got blown up in that game. That was the game oh, yeah. that's all over you that's all over YouTube. That's also in the Nevin Shapiro Forever Yahoo article or YouTube Joel Clack getting blown up by Miami's Beeson, defense. Right? John Beeson, yes. Was it after a fumble or something and you went so, to, There was a fumble and I was like chasing after him like some sort of Joel, idiot. What's the number hero? one rule of quarterbacks? Never chase just after stand an and get out the way. <laughs> So John Beeson essentially suplexes me, throws <laughs> oh, me down, and Nevin Shapiro pays him a $500 bounty, there which I'm go. still pissed about because Chris Ricks had a $1,000 bounty later in the year. So basically Chris Ricks was double the player I was. Whatever. No. no Let's way. move on. The other top ten game, Alabama <laughs> and Tennessee. We're not going to touch that last one. There's plenty of things to say. Alabama and Tennessee. Um, they're going to face off this week. Tennessee has been in the gauntlet. Yeah. Before we get to Alabama, and we'll get to Alabama, obviously. When talking about Tennessee, I think it was last week, Matt, you weren't here, but Bruce and I were talking. I couldn't decide whether it was, man, they're so resilient and they're going to continue to get better and play better and then, you know, they're, they're going to continue to win games or, you know, the slipper's not going to fit and right. it's going to strike midnight. And now I still can't decide because they turned the ball over seven times and only lost in overtime on the road to a top 10 team in A&M. Are they talented enough to beat Alabama? Yeah, yeah. I think that they are. But they're not, will they? They're not I, talented uh, enough to do. I think that at one point they've been outscored. I want to say it's like 58 to 17 in the first quarter. You can't do that against like I remember what is it? I don't know if it's your senior year. 
you know, USC's coming back and they're so loaded, but it felt like they could just flip the switch right, and right. get into a hole against uh, Tennessee's not that they talented. Can't do that. No, they are not that talented. I mean, Josh got, Dobbs is one interception away from leading the country in interceptions. He's thrown eight. And look, they, I mean, I thought Alvin Kamara was pretty dynamic last week. I know that, you know, people talked about Jalen Hurd more, and he's the former Alabama running back. But just when you look at them, they're so beaten up on defense. I wonder how much they have left in the tank after sure. that emotional ride and finally the bubble bursts. I get it. They're coming home. I could see Alabama just pummeling them. I, I think Butch Jones is a good guy. I don't think he's a great coach. I think you see that in their game management and their situational play. That's how I rate coaches mm-hmm. is how their team plays in situations. That's why Urban Meyer and Nick Saban are the best two coaches in America and why Jim Harbaugh is right there knocking on the door. Granted, he doesn't have any rings, but he's right there knocking on the door because their teams in critical situations, whether it's four-minute milk-the-clock mode, two-minute mode, um, critical situations in terms of third downs, their teams always are prepared for those situations. Tennessee, I feel like they're out there throwing spaghetti at the wall sometimes, and Butch is over there running around, jumping around, crying, talking about God knows what. Well, do you think it, sometimes, I mean, you're dealing with 20, 21-year-olds where they're taking their cues. Butch looks like an emotional wreck, like, you know, the neck is red. He's, like, got the veins popping out. How much do you think as, as players, if it's, especially if it's a younger team that's not used to success, and these guys really aren't because this is the first time in a while, how much do you think they, they take their cues from that? I mean, you can see a little of this at Notre Dame with Brian Kelly right. at this point, too. I think every single team in every team sport, save for the NBA, which is just a star-driven league, Every team sport from professional down to little league, that team is going to mirror the character and the expression and the mentality of right. their head coach. It, I agree. Every single team sport. Everyone I've ever been a part yeah, of. Yeah, no, no, I agree. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. He, he's, he's an emotional roller coaster. I played for coaches who are emotional roller coasters, and when you can't sit there and, and have a conversation and, and he can't, when you almost know the answer, but you want to hear from your coach and, and he can't give you that, I mean, that's just the X's and O's. But I think so many times, but Jones, the clock management, the, the situations, uh, you know, he just mismanages games. And yeah. eventually at some point it was going to come back to, to get them. And they're, they're, I mean, to go back to the game, they're talented enough to play Alabama. I don't think Alabama this year is a juggernaut every week. They've struggled a few weeks. People have scored points on them. Um, what does Lane say? The, have, you ch- have you chatted I, with him? I haven't chatted with him. I do think, I do I like. You guys are boys. We're, we're boys. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I love what he's done with Jalen Hurts. I really have. This kid, I think he's only averaging about 25 pass attempts a game. So that's all not, he should. That's what yeah. I'm saying. They're not putting a lot of pressure that's on perfect. him. They're not asking him to do too much. They're relying on their defense, which has been outstanding. The running backs have, have played extremely well. So they're just. They're a complete machine, but I think they're beatable this year. I think Tennessee, if they can play four quarters, they can. They, but but they haven't played four quarters all season long, so I just I can't buy into that. Here's here's what I think would be concerning, and it's concerning for Nick Saban. You see here, you know, I've read a lot of the comments uh, out of Tuscaloosa uh, about what Nick is saying about his team. They've given up 400 yards passing in two games this year. Arkansas, which right. blows my mind, how they can throw for 400 yards, and Ole Miss, and you can understand what Chad Kelly, that Arkansas or Ole Miss would throw for 400 yards. But he was saying that there were a lot of missed assignments and coverage last week against Arkansas, some blown assignments, uh, guys in the wrong spots. So he's frustrated with that. Now, if there's one guy that can get corrected as soon as anybody, it'd be Nick Saban, who works with the secondary at Alabama. But that's the one area. Now, is Josh Dobbs? 
the type of player that can go exploit that. He did it against Florida, who I think has a really good defense and a very quality secondary. So This game was close last year, too. It was yeah, close last year. Was, yeah. I, so. It wouldn't shock me if it's close again. Um, I just Again, like is, is a Butch Jones right. coach team going to beat Nick we Saban? We just haven't seen just, enough consistency. I mean, they, I mean, talk about you want Do you want to pick Tennessee? I feel I like would, you do. I would have picked Tennessee like if they were trying not to pick on Tennessee. defense. Their four best players, only one of them is playing in this game. And Jared Jared, Burnett. Yeah. They're really banged up on the back seven. That's the part that would that Cameron, was, Cameron Sutton's out. Who yeah, would, and that would have been Calvin Ridley's guy. I now Calvin I can Ridley see big plays coming game, against yeah. them. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, again, they had all the turnovers last week. I just wonder what they have in the tank after this. We've got a lot coming up on the show still. We've got who's the favorite in the Big 12, and we've also got some under-the-radar games. So uh, Notre Dame fans, uh, stay tuned. We've got some Oklahoma chat coming up. We've also got uh, some Nebraska chatter coming up, so stay tuned for that. Rob, by the way, on Facebook says, if Alabama keeps rolling, I would think that their freshman quarterback and his name would be mentioned for the Heisman. Maybe, maybe not, but I think one of the points that Matt made is a big point in this. He's not going to have gaudy numbers, mm -hmm. and I don't think this is the team. Now, in the future, it'll absolutely be more of a Jalen Hurts team. Right. right now, I think he's a role player within the system that is Alabama. I don't know if those style yeah. of players go to New York. Zeke says, go Big Orange. Are you a Q's fan, Zeke, or is that for Tennessee? Tennessee or guy. I've never heard that about Tennessee. I've heard go Vols, Zeke. Rocky Top. Check back in with us and let us know. Is that Vols, Cuse? Are you a Bayheim fan? I'm not quite <laughs> sure. Kenneth Matthews says, Bama in a close one. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, Bama big, says Justin. Kyle says, will Texas, Notre Dame, Oregon, USC, and Baylor have head coaching open openings this year? Quickly before we get to the Big 12. <laughs> if you're all of those places, who are you hiring? That's part of making a change. You don't just make a change for change's sake. Right? So Tom Herman, yes, is a, a big fish out there, I guess. He did lose to Navy last week when Houston went down to Navy. You can't just make a change and be like, we made a change. Well, who'd you hire? That's what his school does. That, uh, That's what you guys do. <laughs> I'm just the innocent bystander. Oh, no, no, no. Did you just I get mean, thrown under the bus? No, but I mean, it's like USC Listen. wades into coaching searches like this, and it's like... Matt has to be careful because the way it's going in 2022, he's going to be the next athletic 2022. director. 2022? Maybe 2018. By 2018. I might Would you be a good hat. AD? No, I might throw my hat in as a coach, though. Oh! No, okay. He is the play caller. What's your uh, son's coach's team? Let me tell you something. We, we, we. Not your son's coach's team. We your lost. Son's do we, flag do football we, do team. we want to get off topic here and talk about no, this? No, let's get no? to the Big 12. Okay. Liner. I called a great game Sunday. You we did? lost to the upper division team. You lost? You didn't call a great game. All right, Big 12 favorites. Baylor, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Baylor and West Virginia are undefeated. I'll be in Texas, uh, in Lubbock, for Texas Tech hosting West Virginia this weekend. Baylor is still undefeated. Oklahoma got the big win in the Red River game last weekend in a game that I got to experience firsthand, which was awesome. If you're a college football fan, you got to go check out OU Texas in the, uh, the Cotton Bowl. Big 12 favorite, guys. Is it one of those three schools for sure, or is it an Oklahoma State? Can they bounce back after a few losses? I mean, where are you sitting right now in the Big 12? Where are you going? Do you still want to pick I'm, Tennessee over Alabama? I feel no, like you're no, still no, I'm run out of gas on that one. All right, look. He's, he's still thinking about Barnett for Heisman. No, Barnett. No, please. I, I, I'm tempted to go on West Virginia here because okay. everything goes through Morgantown. 
it, everybody has to go there. It's not an easy place to play. Baylor's got to go there, colder. I think, the last week of the season. Yeah, which could be wild if that is it to decide who's going. Jim Grobe, kind of a homecoming game. I think he's an originally a West Virginia guy. You know, their offensive line is pretty good. I think they have one of the most best-kept secrets in the Big 12 uh, in the backfield in Crawford. Skylar Howard. Justin Crawford. Justin Crawford. He, he, he was can, very can good Sky, last can week. Can Skylar Howard win the Big 12 championship? That's my question Ugh. for West Virginia. I, don't I, know. Think he, I think he, he has been Tim awful. Randall, by the way, loves that guy. Let's not, let's not say awful. I mean, he's, he's a role player. He, he's thrown four, two touchdowns against three Power 5 teams this year, five, four interceptions. The only good game he's played is against Youngstown State. I'm not off him. I'm just saying, can he, can he, can he lead this team to a Big 12 championship? Okay, that's a fair question. That is that, a fair that, that's he, my question. He, I, he's tough. He's gritty. I like, he's improved they drastically. Ha- they from have last to year. run the ball. Yeah. In order to do it, like they're, they're going to have to be a run-first team. To, to answer, they're not going to go like, for instance, this week they're going to have to go face Texas Tech in Lubbock, and I, I, they stopped Texas Tech for the most part last year throwing the football. I think it was Patrick Mahomes' worst game as a starting quarterback, um, save for his very first start, which he split time, so you got to throw that one out. So it was his lowest output, 159 yards passing, is the lowest output he's had in, in any of his starts at Texas Tech. But that was in Morgantown. That's a much different place. It's harder to play in Morgantown. They ran it down. I did that again. They ran it down Tech's throats. They may try. I they mean, may try to do that again, right. though, because yeah. of the Tech's defense. Can Skylar Howard carry them to the Big 12? Man, because the you, fact that they've got those score, teams in Morgantown. They have very good receivers. No, I know, but you have to score 35, 40 points a game in, in this, this conference, conference yeah. to win. So I'm just not there. The, I, Maybe not there. I, I don't. I, I, I'm leaning towards Oklahoma, and I was off a couple weeks ago. But you called the game. Mm-hmm. I just think they're rolling at the right time offensively, and I think the the emergence of D.D. Westbrook guys oh. has been. It's just it's opened up this offense even more. Um, they've been down this guys, road before. He He's unreal he, he in was, person, and it was deep. It was it was slant routes taken to the house. I just think they have the right mix. Defensively, Joel, I can't even remember how many times you called Jordan Thomas's name, and I know he gave up a touchdown, but I think it was the first time they, the secondary like made some plays. They got yeah. their hands on, you know, they some just fifty-fifty balls that yeah, they actually they, they were just, winning. They were winning it, and again, they still gave up a lot of points. But I feel like in this conference, you just have to have a defense that's okay that can that can get some key stops, and you have to have an offense like they have. So I just believe in them offensively. I don't think West Virginia has been great defensively this year, even though that's kind of their mo. Um, but again, it's, I mean, and we're not even talking about Baylor, and Baylor's the highest ranked team, you know, so. Yeah, Baylor's an interesting one, guys, because Baylor, <clears throat> they, they've got um, Kansas this weekend, and then they've got an open week, and then they're going to have Texas. They're going to beat Kansas, okay? Just, it is what it is. Kansas is 2-45 and 45 mm-hmm. in their last 47 Big 12 games. True stat. Um, then they get the old, so October 29th, they'll be going to Austin. That's, that'll be the first time that they're really, like, tested. Oklahoma State tested them. I, I shouldn't, you know, just throw that game under the rug. But I just, they're not, listen, I'm probably going to do another Baylor game. And knowing <laughs> them, they're going to get all bent out of shape about me saying this and, you know, whatever. <laughs> they're not that good. They're not even close to what they've been in the last two years. But they lost a lot They're, of good players on both they lines. They lost a ton of players on their offensive line. They lost a ton of defensive front seven talent. 
to the point where they had to switch schematics. Right. They went from a 4-3 defense to a 3-4 defense because they didn't have enough defensive linemen that could actually play in the Big 12. So now they've got an undersized defensive front that's having to slant every which way on every single play. And what that does is it creates seams. They gave up, I mean, how many are Almost 300 yards rushing to Iowa State, yeah. over 300 yards rushing. And all Iowa State was doing was snapping it to their quarterback, and he was just running the ball right downhill. So Baylor's explosive. They're offensively very good. I just, I just don't see it. Like, Oklahoma's the best team. How much does it concern you about we'll Baylor? We'll see in that West Virginia-Oklahoma game. Right, Go ahead. The dynamic around the team where it concerns feels like me it's like all or bust. You have, like, some of the off-field stuff with the truth-don't-lie aspect right. of it. So can I explain that real quick? Okay, so Bruce just touched on something. What happened is there was a player kicked off the team. The administration at Baylor came out and said, hey, that was Jim Grobe's decision. That was 100% Jim Grobe's decision. Well, Jim Grobe went to a television station under, you know, kind of in the dark of the night and was like, it wasn't my decision. This was the administration's deal 100%. wasn't my decision at all. And so the staff tweeted out that clip and the story from that news outlet in the Baylor area simultaneously, all of, all of them on the staff, with the hashtag, truth don't lie. If any of you college, follow college football, which I'm assuming you do, you know that that hashtag truth don't lie is made famous by Art Briles from earlier in the summer. So some bad optics, uh, obviously. I just, right. I, don't, I, don't, I don't see it with Baylor. Because of that, because of the on-field struggles that they've had defensively, all of that at some point is going to catch up to you, whether it's against an OU or a West Virginia late or somebody else at some point it'll catch up to them the, the idea when they i can't imagine i know how much you know there's a rivalry between them and tcu but there must be so much hate from the baylor fans to texas because remember texas was the place that got a lot of the freshman recruits who ended up almost all of them almost all of them one went to one went to ou parish cobb the other one went to, running back went to the auburn decommits from last year's yeah. class most of them went to texas and so and there's a lot of feeling in waco that a lot of the you know texas people were trying to drive this story and, and get people to work on it and push it. Um, I don't know. This is I, I, The drama around this game when it happens is going to be very interesting to see. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. They're going to be undefeated. Yeah. I mean, they're going to go down there. And something tells me Texas is going to get better. I know that they were horrendous defensively Why are they again. so bad in the secondary? Personally, I, the coverage that they're playing, they shouldn't be in. Okay, they're in like man bump situations a lot, and they leave those corners on an island. At some point, you got to understand as a coach that it's your job to put a player in position to have success individually. And if a kid continually gets beat in press man coverage, and then you just keep saying like, "Hey, you got to get better," well, you got to get better as a defensive play caller. You got to give them some help, do something. I would rather a team snap the football 14 times for 80 yards down the field in a seven or eight minute drive rather than stop them for five plays and then have a home run thrown against me, right. which is just demoralizing. Right. And that's what it seems to Do be happening in Texas. Do they just not have the Texas. athletes to play this? Or is it just guys whose confidence is completely shot? Maybe a little of both. Maybe a little of both. I think that they need some help in the secondary. There's no question, but we'll see as that goes along. Okay, real DBU, quick, by the way. pick a team. B- Big 12 favorite. Uh, I'm going to go West Virginia. West Virginia? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I would pick Oklahoma as well right now. It's not just because I did three of their games. I think they're really talented. Okay, wrapping things up here uh, on the show. And before that, Tony says my sleeper team, the Big 12, is Kansas State. Mm, I like that one. Not bad. Not bad. I like them on defense, but we'll see. We'll see with them. Um, uh, Kyle says OU. Sean Baylor. 
Um, so we got a lot of different. It's going to be a wild race. A wild you race in the Big 12. As down as the Big 12 has been, it's still wide open. Some games, guys, that are under the radar this week that you want to touch on for any number of reasons. Bruce, go. All right, I'm going to be selfish and go the game I'm doing this weekend. It's Matt's alma mater going into Arizona, which is our producer's alma mater. Down. There you go. Uh, what's, what's, this, what's the spread of that one, Klein? Can I just put a spread on it? I would it. say USC by 15. Yeah, I would say I would say 14 to 17 probably. 14 and a half. So, so Arizona is seriously banged up all over the place. You know, they need Nick Wilson to try to get healthy. They're down to the probably down to the third string quarterback. We'll see if Brandon Dawkins can play. If not, Khalil Tate. Here's the part I like about it. Khalil Tate is a really gifted dual threat quarterback. True, He's very strong. Yeah. yeah. 17 years old, they wanted to redshirt him. Uh, strong arm, good touch, very physical, but he doesn't have much of the offense. He's a Sarah kid. USC has nine kids from that high school, uh, Dory Jackson being one of them. They tried to get in on, on Tate late, and he was like, you know, I want to go to this offense. I'm not sure if USC would have made him a running back or a wide receiver, whatever they would do. But I think him against this defense is very interesting mm-hmm. to see if, you know, if he becomes the guy. I want to see how he holds up, and I think that – the way Sam Darnold is playing, I mean, they've He's gone over really yeah, well. they've gone over 500 yards the last two weeks. They only did that three times all of last year. I think he is the best thing that's happened oh, yeah. to Clay Helton this year. And I he needed Sam Darnold to may save Clay Helton's job. I'm with you. I'm telling you. He's good. They've got an identity. Yeah, and the thing do. about it, you, you can scoff if you want. Colorado's secondary is pretty good. Yeah. They were leading the conference in pass efficiency, good, yeah. pass, total passing defense. They've got a kid that's going to get drafted probably in the late first round, early second as a corner. It's hard to pronounce his name. It's like Chidobe Ozoboribe or whatever. He's amazing. Sorry, buddy. I, just, uh, I apologize about that one. I'll try to get that one better next time. But Browning, or I'm sorry, Darnold played really well against He's them. played really well. Ever, even on the road against Utah, he he's, has ball security issues. I mean, he's fumbled a lot in a couple games. He's young. Um, but that, I can live with that because he's throwing the ball well. He's making, he's making good decisions. I think he only has one interception, mm-hmm. I think, in two games. Throwing for a lot of yards. I like him. Um, a couple games. I want to uh, briefly Notre Dame-Stanford just because of how different <laughs> these teams are going now. Both of them. Stanford just is really struggling. Aren't they both going like this, though? They're, that's Ooh, what I'm yeah. saying. They're both going in that direction, whereas this game last year – had such a massive impact. I mean, we're talking, you know, I think you called the game, Joel. I did right? call yeah, the game. Notre Dame, if they won, playoff, there was really all good those things. To to um, and it's just, it's just crazy how quick it could fall. I, another game is UCLA-Washington State. This is a pretty interesting one because Washington State's undefeated in conference play. Mm-hmm. Um, they, for whatever reason, were really bad out the gate. Now all of a sudden they're playing better. It's just like last year. Yeah, it's strange. Leach needs to stop sending them to this camp or high school so, high in like Idaho for camp. It's so interesting. But Luke Falk, that offense, the defense is playing better. Uh, they're kind of a sleeper team to keep an eye on because they can score a lot of points. UCLA is still just, I mean, struggling to find an identity. Josh Rosen was banged up last week. We'll see how healthy he is. I was impressed with his toughness last week. He, in he, a loss, I mean, like, he stood in there and took some shots. He took some shots, and it's, it's funny. They can't run the ball. They're, they're dead last in the conference in rushing offense, which is what that they wanted be to be. That my biggest surprise of anything in the Pac-12. And that's the reason why they've struggled. So this game is really big because UCLA is still much alive in the South, and the South's yeah. wide open. So well, that everyone, game, everyone is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Even your buffs who just took well, a beating even, to my even team. Even USC with two losses. Two losses, I know. And they still. So they anyway, still that's a good shot. game in the pack in the Pac-12 to keep an eye on. I do like weekend. that one. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Washington State. It wouldn't shock me at all if Washington State ends up playing Washington in the Apple Cup the Friday after Thanksgiving for the, with both the title, of them yeah. for the division title. Yeah. 
That, I mean, that would be insane. Can you imagine Pullman? They'll burn it down. They will burn Let Pullman me. down. And then Lewiston will burn their, they have a paper mill. Lewiston, Idaho is one of the worst smelling places on the face of the earth. One of my, my favorite <clears throat> places to play was at Washington State in college. Great venue. Awesome. It's a Just really good. A great little venue to play football. Called an Apple Cup there yeah. before, and I it was I fun. loved it. Uh, when we get to we, that, I'm going to drop 50 on them, but it was okay. Uh, actually, you know what we'll do? We'll have Petros on that week. Petros has a great Pullman, Washington story. It's a hotel story, right? It's a hotel, Mo- it's Moscow, a hotel story. Moscow, Idaho, man. That's where you stay. Moscow, Idaho. We stayed in Lewiston. Oh, we like I said, Lewiston, one of the worst smelling places <laughs> in America. The paper mill there is the worst. My game, uh, under the radar, Nebraska travels to Indiana. Nebraska's ranked in the top 10, and remember what I said earlier. Once you get past seven, which is essentially like that Louisville A&M range, from eight to 20, I mean, you could put anybody in there. It's a total crapshoot. So Nebraska falls into the top 10. First time in that spot since 2011. Bo Pelini was the coach. He's still yelling at somebody somewhere right now. (laughs) And they travel to Indiana. Indiana played pretty well last week against uh, Ohio State. And remember, Ohio State, supremely gifted, very explosive. They were right there in the second quarter. They played great against the pass. Tommy Armstrong is not nearly what JT Barrett is. Wouldn't shock me at all if the Hoosiers were to win that game. I know they haven't been great in Big Ten play in the last year and a half. It just wouldn't shock me at all if they ended up beating Nebraska because Nebraska's might be a little high on the horse, undefeated at this point in the season for the first time in a long time. So Nebraska at Indiana would be my under the radar game. Fellas, appreciate the time. Lewiston, Idaho. Moscow, <laughs> Idaho. Bruce wants Tennessee to win. Go Big Orange, apparently, from Ken on the Facebook. I still don't know what that means. He hasn't written anything back in. But we appreciate you watching. Big thanks to Dr. Pepper for uh, sponsoring this little program. Remember, Dr. Pepper, it's a college football tradition. No tailgate or watch party is complete without Dr. Pepper.